1: Wall Street Journal reporter Rob Copeland covers Google. And recently he started hearing about this thing on Google Maps. He heard that when you search for some generic category like plumber near me or electrician near me, businesses that weren't real were popping up. So one day, when he was in Google's hometown of Mountain View, California, Rob decided to do an experiment.
2: I was in Mountain View and I just thought, okay, I'm here. Why don't I just search for a few businesses that people tell me are often fake. I'm sitting in my WSJ rental car, which was, I think it was a Nissan Sentra. So I searched for car accident attorney and there were 12 car accident attorneys in Mountain View. So I just started driving to them. And it turned out several of them were construction sites. I walked into a few office buildings and asked for the business name and the doorman said, what are you talking about? There's no business here. One of them was a strip mall with uh, a Hispanic supermarket. Several of them are addresses where you're, you're standing in between two houses looking for the number, but it doesn't exist. You know, you're standing in between 200 and 210 looking for 205. It kind of reminded me, this is so nerdy, but it reminded me of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, how you had to look like in between the right place to get to the secret hideout house. Honestly, I thought I must be wrong. I thought I must be messing this up because there couldn't be this many things that don't exist. So I wound up getting out of the car at places that clearly were not what they said they were and walking around the block because I just wasn't accustomed to questioning it that much.
1: Right. So the other ones weren't legitimate businesses. When you say you went to a construction site, there was also not a car accident
2: attorney there. Correct. They're, they literally aren't there. And then eventually on the 11th of 12th, I went to another office building and I actually found a live injury attorney. And I walked in and I said, oh my God, is this actually you? Is this actually Ziff and Cohn? And the secretary, she turned around, there's a giant sign behind her that says Ziff and Cohn. <laughs> she said yes.
1: How did you feel when you saw them? I
2: felt relieved. I felt like I wasn't a crazy person. I was also honestly surprised they existed at that point. It was my 11th stop. And I said, did you know you're the only real personal injury attorney in Mountain View? And she was very confused. And then she asked if I wanted to make an appointment. And I said, no. And then I left because it's a place of business and I was bothering them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what? So they're fake listings on Google Maps. What's the big deal?
2: Google Maps is the only version of reality that matters. Look, we trust Google for everything. When we're looking for the fastest way to pick up our kids from school and they say save two minutes, we hit change route. We take a turn exactly where they tell us to. They say prices for this airline ticket are going to go up. You should buy now. And I take out my credit card and I buy the ticket. So if we can't trust them for something as basic as saying here's something on a map and it actually exists in real life, then what can we trust them for?
1: There are more than 150 million places on Google Maps, everything from parks and bus stops to coffee shops and mechanics. And we don't have an exact number, but experts estimate that at any given time, there might be 11 million businesses listed on Google Maps that don't really exist that are fake. Those fake listings have wreaked havoc on small businesses and in some cases, endangered consumers. Welcome to The Journal. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, July 3rd. Katie Bindley worked with Rob Copeland on this story, and she says there's a distinction to make here. We call them fake listings, but that doesn't necessarily mean the listings are for businesses that don't exist at all. Fake listings are most often used to game the Google Maps system.
3: It's funny calling them like real versus fake because in a lot of cases, the quote fake listing is associated with a real company. It's just a company that's sort of misrepresenting where they are um, or what in some cases, you know, who they are. But if you think about what a business gets for having, you know, multiple locations on a map like one way that I have thought about it is okay I need some kind of service done I need like a plumber or whatever so I'm going to type into my phone plumber in South Orange and if there's a plumbing company that's located really far away from me but they're willing to come to my house and fix the pipes they want that phone call because that that phone call is a customer and customers pay you money, obviously. So if you can make it seem as though you are in a bunch of different locations, you're going to get more people calling you because Google is how we find things when we need them. A lot of people aren't going to scroll through to like the seventh listing. It's like, you know, three things pop up that that show up on their phone and they're just going to call one of them. So, you know, businesses want to be the, the ones that show up high in the search results. Using a fake listing might get more customers
1: for a business. But for consumers, sometimes using a fake listing
3: can be a safety issue. You've got a sick child and you're looking for an urgent care center nearby. So you punch in, you know, urgent care. There are instances of people who have done this and have gone to the location listed on the map and then found that it is not an urgent care center. And when they call the number, it turns out it's like, A mobile doc who can, like, prescribe something but cannot actually examine you. So there there are, like, real-life scary consequences to this that can happen. To really get a sense of how these
1: fake listings even get on Google Maps, Katie tried to figure out who are
3: the people behind them. We wanted to know how the if you want to call them scammers, or how the people creating the fake listings were actually doing it and, you know, how they make it so that they actually show up on a map and how they might be able to drop 150 listings in a city overnight. Like, how are they actually doing it? Who did you find and how did you find them? Well, so interestingly enough, there are companies that, you know, have websites advertising the fact that they will get you a listing on Google Maps and and that they will do this even if you don't actually have a physical street address. So it's not exactly, you know, so-so hidden. If you want to find someone who will do this, you can find it on Google, oddly enough.
1: It's like an open secret.
3: Yeah, kind of. So I just, you know, was Googling. And while I was doing that, I came across a website called GMB Swarm. And it says like, hello, I can get you a bunch of fake listings on Google.
1: Katie sent an email through the website's contact portal and eventually heard back from the man who runs GMB Swarm, a man whose company is responsible for thousands of these fake listings. His name is Mark Luckenbaugh. Mark and GMB Swarm are based in Hanover, Pennsylvania, so Katie flew out there to see his
3: operation. They don't have, like, a giant sign out front that says, like, hey, here's GMB Swarm. Um, It's actually in the basement of a law office. I kind of went around back and then Mark came out from the basement to meet me and uh walked me downstairs to meet his team.
1: What was your first in-person impression of him
3: and can you tell us a little bit about who he is? He's not like a super formal person. He was very casually dressed in, you know, like basketball shorts and a gray t-shirt and sneakers. Um he currently, I mean he he says he runs 8 businesses he dropped out of high school at 16. Um, He also was a former robocaller at one point. So he's got his hands in sort of a lot of um, different but related types of businesses. So in this basement in Hanover, Pennsylvania, uh, he's got 12 other employees and everybody, you know, they're sitting there at their computers, you know, tapping away. Tapping away, yeah. I mean, and and this, to be clear, this staff in the States, they're not actually the ones creating the fake listings. While Mark's
1: employees in that Hanover basement work on things like helping their clients show up high in Google search results, he's got a team somewhere else that helps clients get fake listings on Google Maps.
3: He's got this other operation in the Philippines where they are churning out the fake listings. Wow, in the Philippines? Yeah, he's got operations in kind of multiple locations. Like he said, he's got um, people in Nairobi. He says he's got like a team of engineers in Russia. Uh, He has space in Dallas where he's got a bunch of servers and one man who runs that operation. But he wouldn't get into details about how that one actually works.
1: So how does a business create a listing on Google Maps? You just need a name, an address, and a phone number. But Google wants to verify that the information is correct, which typically isn't a problem if you are really a business with that name, address, and phone number. But it's a harder thing to do if you're submitting fake information. And that's where Mark's company comes into play. Mark's team will generate the most perfectly optimized business name. They'll scrape commercial real estate listings for real addresses, and they'll buy phone numbers to attach the listing. All of this is used so when Google's verification system checks on them,
3: it looks like they're there. Google has these systems, it's just people are finding their way around them. Is it expensive? Well, I don't know. I don't know how you put a value on a fake listing, but to give you an idea, what they cost to get one fake listing, a, a customer would pay ninety nine dollars. A five pack is four seventy five. A ten pack is eight ninety nine. And if you want a fifty pack of fake listings, that would run you four thousand three hundred forty nine dollars.
1: How important are these fake listings to the businesses that buy them?
3: I mean, that's really hard to say, but I can tell you that businesses that get bumped down in search as a result of fake listings showing up above them in some cases they can they can be close to going out of business because of this because they the calls like literally dry up if it's going to take someone four swipes of the thumb to get to you like you just don't hear from anybody anymore and it just highlights how for a lot of businesses like Google is the only way that they hear from people and that when something goes wrong with it, they're they're just really screwed. How does Mark view what he is doing? So he views himself as sort of chaotic good is the way that he put it at one point. So even though some small businesses might be being hurt by what he's doing, others are being helped by it. And you know he's like, there's plenty of businesses that are really happy we exist. Um I mean, one of the things he said was like, "Hey, they should give me a call. like if they need help, I'm good at this, basically. Um, he seems sort of convinced that he's helping other small businesses so that there's nothing wrong with it. Like, you know, bummer that small business number two is getting hurt by it, but small business number one is a quality business, and and they're being helped by it. So that's okay in his mind. And it's not breaking the law. It just may not be abiding by Google's terms of service. Just not abiding by the terms of service, and he did point that out. After
1: Katie and Rob looked into this, Rob reached out to Google for its response.
2: Google sent us a statement that said there's, quote, no single source of truth for all businesses, that the company is in a fight with a very motivated group of scammers, and that there are a lot of things being done that Google can't discuss publicly.
1: How important is Google Maps to Google's business?
2: People are increasingly going straight onto Maps to search for things. And ironically, Google actually does better the more fakes there are. Because for many businesses, if they're being buried under fakes, The only way to get to the top of that list, the guaranteed way, is to buy an ad. Google will charge you for each and every person that clicks. In some categories, Google makes over $1,000 per click. Depending on what you're advertising for, it can cost anywhere from a few cents to over $1,000 a click. And it won't surprise you to learn that the most expensive areas to advertise are the areas with the most fakes.
1: I mean, it sounds to me like what you're saying is Google is incentivized... Not to stop it because it brings in a bunch of revenue for Google. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. And I spoke to many businesses who said they felt like they were between a rock and a hard place here. They're kind of forced to give more money to Google to solve a problem of Google's own creation.
1: And Google's response to, to that criticism is that they're doing their best.
2: Yes. Google says they're doing their absolute best and that there is no shortage of resources being thrown at this problem.
1: Has Google done anything to take down any fake listings that you flagged?
2: You know, it's pretty remarkable. After I drove through Mountain View finding fake personal injury attorneys, I mentioned it to a Google spokeswoman. And then a few hours later, I did the same search, and all of the fake ones had been very quickly taken down. Mark Luckenbaugh,
1: who runs the listings business in Pennsylvania, said the same thing happened. He said listings were disappearing left and right. Meanwhile, Google said that fake map listings are a small percentage of the total, though it didn't provide its own figure. The company also said it has taken down more than 3 million fake business listings and that 90% of those were removed before anyone saw them. But some fake listings are still up. And Rob says they could become a bigger problem for Google
2: in the future. Google is one of the world's most powerful companies, and it became that way because it was able to provide true answers to any query. And that's why people are pulling out Google on their phones, on their tablets, all day, every day. That's what makes it the world's most fabulously successful advertising platform that people feel like they have to advertise there because it's the only place where customers are. So Google's future is predicated on it continuing to be the one place you go for the answer to all information. Right now, Google's advertising is under more pressure than it has been in the company's 20-year history. Growth is slowing down. They're desperate for new avenues. And anything, anything that suggests that the platform isn't trustworthy is just murder.
0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100-sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back.
1: This week, Nike planned to release a limited edition sneaker for Independence Day. The shoes had been manufactured and even shipped to some stores. But they were recalled before they ever hit the shelves. The reason for this quick change? Former NFL player and activist Colin Kaepernick. He saw a design of these shoes on social media, sporting a flag with 13 stars in a circle.
4: There was a Betsy Ross flag attached to the heel of the sneaker, and he flagged that flag as offensive. I have been doing this a lot, I keep saying flag, the flag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Khadija Softar. She covers Nike and broke the story for the Wall Street Journal. A couple years ago, Kaepernick began taking a knee on the football field during the national anthem.
4: And he was doing it to protest racial inequality and social injustice. So that particular issue really resonated amongst younger consumers. A lot of young people were aligning with Kaepernick's cause, but it felt to a lot of people and viewers, that he was being unpatriotic.
1: Kaepernick was ostracized from the NFL for taking a knee. And last year, Nike, which already had a relationship with Kaepernick, decided to turn the controversy into a PR play. Nike featured Kaepernick in a big, splashy commercial where he said stuff like this. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything.
4: So after they had featured him, a lot of younger consumers were thinking about Nike again. And their sales have been going up since that ad campaign. Their share price so far this year is up about 15%. A lot of people did predict that it would hurt their sales. So far, there isn't really any proof of that. And that brings us
1: to the Nike story of this week.
4: My reporting shows that they didn't send the shoe to Kaepernick for review. It kind of just happened organically. Kaepernick was online, and he saw this design was being released. And so he contacted Nike and told them that that I consider this design to be offensive, and he just made his concern known to them. Kaepernick declined
1: comment, but according to The Wall Street Journal's reporting, he was concerned that the flag had been adopted by some extremist groups and also felt like it celebrated a problematic era in American history.
4: Kaepernick did bring up that The flag itself is from the era where slavery was legalized. The Wall Street Journal looked into the
1: connection between the Betsy Ross flag and extremism. The American Vexological Association, which studies historical and current flags, said it wasn't aware that this particular flag had an overt tie to extremist groups, but we found this one incident.
4: There was an incident in 2016 at a Michigan school where... The administrators of the school apologized for featuring that design because it was offensive, and the NAACP local chapter said that it had been adopted by some extremist groups that were opposed to the growing diversity in America.
1: Nike took Kaepernick's concerns seriously, and it canceled its limited-edition Betsy Ross flag sneakers. In a statement, Nike said it did so, quote, based on concerns that it could unintentionally offend and distract from the nation's patriotic holiday. And regardless of what any of us or scholars or Nike thinks about the argument from a historical perspective, Nike's move comes as the company is trying to court young consumers. And market research shows that young consumers care a lot about issues like social equality. So sure, it costs Nike money to manufacture shoes and not sell them. But Khadija thinks it's far more worthwhile for Nike to stay relevant.
4: I think Nike's taking a bet. The cause that Kaepernick has taken up It really resonates with younger consumers, and they're taking a bet that in the decades to come, these are the people that are going to be wearing their clothes and going to be buying their products, and those are the people they want to associate with. That's all for today, Wednesday,
1: July 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Friday.